Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. The left is in full-blown panic mode, folks. Full-blown panic mode. The DA is panicking in, Man- in Manhattan. The Democratic Party is panicking. It's a beautiful thing to see. And do you know why they're panicking? Two words. Donald Trump. That's why they're panicking. And I must say, Donald Trump thrives in this chaos. He thrives under attack. And these attacks aren't going to stop. Not just in terms of Donald Trump, but in the future, as it pertains to Republicans in general and conservatives and this movement that will continue even after Trump. It must if we're going to save the country because one election is not going to solve this. But this is one of those situations where I look out there at the, well, at the map, if you will, strategically at what needs to be done and what's coming at us and how we need to respond and, and I just, my gut tells me there is no one better suited in 2024 than Donald Trump. And I get it, DeSantis, he decided to go with Piers Morgan. Look, <sighs> I was joking with somebody, Captain, and I was saying, who's advising this guy? Who is advising DeSantis? It's like he has a political suicide mission right now. And you can say it's unfair or whatever else because Trump's jabbing him. And I've heard people say Trump has a glass jaw. When DeSantis comes for him, he he whines and complains. But Trump's the victor right now. If you look at the polls, it's not even close. DeSantis is something like 20, I I don't know if it's 22%, 27%. And Trump's way up there. It's It's not close at all. And... I've got to say, honestly, I, mean, I will address it on the show some. I'll weigh in. But I really don't care that much about the feud between Trump and DeSantis. It doesn't bother me. It's going to be ugly. It's politics. And, and, and to be honest, you shouldn't worry about it either. The left wants to use the DeSantis-Trump feud to divide us. And every time we focus on Trump, DeSantis, and the feud and whine and complain about Trump being mean or... In contrast, DeSantis making a bad move. Who cares? Who cares? It's going to happen. They're going to do their thing. But we need to remain focused on the battle ahead. Their feud doesn't have any bearing on what's happening in the country right now. It really doesn't. It's inevitable. You can't control it. You can't stop it. And and I I bring this up because I I just, these attacks are going to get worse and worse. What this, you've heard it said, I'm sure, but what this injustice going on out of Manhattan right now, this political persecution, the inventing of a crime to, to, you know, theoretically put a sitting president, a former president in jail. This really is what this comes down to. This is about... The deep state, if you will, especially led by the Democratic Party, making election decisions for the American people. They're saying, we don't care if Trump has a base. We don't care if people like Trump. We want to make sure that 
That's not an option on the table. They want to make sure that they control what your options are. It's a rigged election. That's what it amounts to. It's the end of free and fair elections. And Trump, Trump is the only person on our side that knows how to play the media on a national stage like he does. And that's what just happened here in Manhattan. Now, the news this morning, it's changed. The, the most recent update is now the grand jury is going to meet on Thursday. They're going to convene on Thursday. But they called a snow day today, a corruption day. They were supposed to meet today. They thought they were going to get an indictment maybe today on Wednesday. But Alvin Bragg said, sorry, we're canceling it. Schoolhouse is closed. Grand jury's off duty. Don't show up today. And of course, the fear is that he's lost the grand jury. I don't want to get your hopes up in a false manner. This grand jury, I think, has 22 members. They can have up to 24, I think. You only need a simple majority to get an indictment. It's not like a courtroom setting where a jury has to be unanimous, right? That's not the situation here. So in Manhattan, are the odds still pretty good in a town that, generally speaking, hates Trump and leans left? Can they get 12 or 13 out of 22 or 21 or however many it is to to vote to indict? Uh, Maybe so. Maybe so. But Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor, has just become the prosecuted. And this case is blown up in their faces. I, I just want to give you history real quick on this case. Before Alvin Bragg, the complete fraud, Alvin Bragg, by the way, just so you know, is the Joe Biden of DAs. The Joe Biden of DAs. And what I mean by that is he has totally fabricated and lied about his past. Alvin Bragg ran, he's a black man, of course, but he ran talking about how he'd had Police guns put in his face. He grew up in Harlem. And everyone's association with Harlem, of course, is it's the hood, baby. It's the hood. Its streets are dangerous. Only not all the streets in Harlem are dangerous. Like any place, there are nice areas. And Alvin Bragg is from an upper-middle-class family, or even a wealthy family, depending on your standard. And he attended a private school. The the tuition now is, I think, over $50,000 a year. So does that sound like somebody who was struggling in the hood, dealing with drug abuse, a fatherless home? No, he didn't grow up in that atmosphere at all. So he bamboozled all the people to vote for him. So he lies about who he is. He lies about who he is. But before he was elected, you had the district attorney, Cyrus Vance, who who stepped down. And he came in, the new district attorney, And there were a couple prosecutors still working in the office. One was named Mark Pomerantz. The other was Carrie Dunn. And under the former DA, Cyrus Vance, they'd been leading these investigations. Well, Bragg came in, the fraud from Harlem. And he's the one who didn't want to pursue these types of cases with regard to Trump because they were so weak. And that caused both of these prosecutors, Mark Pomerantz and Kerry Dunn, to do what? They resigned. They resigned. They were so upset. And so next thing you know, you have this Soros-backed DA, Bragg, changing his tune. Pursuing 
the most frivolous, the stupidest case possible, which is this one happening right now. So here we are. And that the left does not like the association with George Soros, by the way. The Democratic Party is the party of George Soros. That is a fact. He backs their candidates. He funds them. He pours money into their campaigns. They're the party of George Soros, the man who used to turn Jew for a bounty. That's George Soros. The Jew-killing Jew. That's George Soros. They don't like that. They don't like that history either. They've tried to rewrite that. And I got a bunch of clips coming up to show you how insane the left is, how far they've, they've gone in terms of losing their minds. These people belong in insane asylums. I mean that seriously. That's not hyperbole. I don't do hyperbole unless I'm trying to make fun of the left and make a point. But that's a fact. And we'll get into stuff later, too. I want to talk about some of the transgender stuff. It's just, I mean, <laughs> I'll say it again later, but Captain, men now are better at being women than women are. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's the new left for you, the feminists. Men are better at being women than women are. There's nothing a man cannot do better than a woman, including being a woman. It's crazy. It's crazy. But back to this DA situation. So they're panicking. Now, they're going to meet tomorrow, but this morning they were thinking they were going to cancel the grand jury for the rest of the week. And that's, of course, because they're freaking out because they've gone too far. And it's, it's hilarious to me because they really don't read the room. And, and this is what I want to tell you. There is an Achilles heel with this Democratic Party. They are blinded by anger. They are blinded by hatred. They are blinded by their lust for power. They don't have any restraint. And there's a strategy in this, which I'm not going to lay out all today. And it still needs to be developed. But there's something to laying traps for these people. You can anticipate the moves of the left. They're going to move so far left. They're going to do the most insane things ever. Perfect example here. And I'll play a clip in a second with regards to the left's response. So Donald Trump, brilliantly, what did he do? What did he do? The left was putting out in their newspapers, in their periodicals, in their propaganda, what? That they were expecting an indictment of Trump. They were celebrating that and signaling to their base, hey, we might finally arrest Trump. Now, meanwhile, this DA's office was not communicating with Trump and his camp, his lawyers at all. They were in the left in the dark. So based on what Trump was reading, he took control of the narrative he turned the cannon around and fired at the left and put them on the defense. He did what on Saturday? He said, they're going to arrest me on Tuesday. Can you believe that? Protest, protest, protest. Now, not only did the left freak out, it's like libs of TikTok. You're the ones who said it. I'm just holding up a mirror and showing the people what you're going to do and how insane you are. And they didn't like that. And say so they started freaking out. And interestingly enough, with the protests, 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 guess what didn't happen? Protests. And it totally destroyed the left's narrative, what they hoped for, that there would be violence in the streets of Manhattan. Now think about the optics of this too. Now they, 
they had they heard a new witness on Monday. This was the surprise guest. And I, like I said, I think this was a result of Trump making the announcement. He got his guest in there, Bob Costello, to totally discredit the whole case. And certainly Michael Cohen, who was supposed to be the star final witness. And they put out the barricades just like, I mean, they played into it completely. Trump says they're going to arrest me on Tuesday. And the next thing you know, you've got barricades set up around the courthouse. And then you've got, I mean, this is the most bizarre thing ever. I'm going to go out of order here, Captain, but cue up cut three. So the left was salivating over the opportunity. They were hoping for another J6. They were hoping for another J6. Now, the narrative, of course, that that conservatives, MAGA Republicans, whatever, that we are a bunch of domestic terrorists. Violence. We're just so violent. But no violence ensued. And so this is how bizarre and how nutty the left was trying to explain this to their audience. This is, this is Lawrence O'Donnell describing the protests, or rather lack of protests, outside in Manhattan there. Play cut three, Captain. Go on MSNBC. Donald Trump's call for protest has been answered only by the New York Young Republican Club, with a few of them, very few of them, gathering in Manhattan today, while they were vastly outnumbered by the reporters who were covering their very polite and almost silent protest. The courthouse in Manhattan is actually much easier to protect than the Capitol in Washington, D.C., because its perimeter is much smaller, and the New York City police can easily close off access to the area by blocking streets. But they will probably never have to do that, because a thousand of the most violent Trump supporters in America are already in prison or in jail awaiting trial or under arrest. I mean, there's zero intellectual consistency there. This, 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 this dummy, this fraud, this talentless hack who has no viewers and no audience whatsoever. On the one hand, he's, he's forced to explain that these people are peaceful and they're outnumbered by reporters. So nobody showed up, even though we were saying, look out, look out. They're going to burn down Manhattan as if they were describing people on the left. And then on the other hand, he's trying to explain why that's not happening. They're peaceful, but the real reason that this isn't happening is because all the violent ones got locked up from J6. And secondarily, it's just easier, you know, it's easier to control this space. So, well, where, where, was, where was this type of guard on January 6th, by the way, O'Donnell? This is the question we keep asking. This is why, what, what we keep asking. So there is the bizarre, bizarre attempt to explain this away and control the narrative. Now, cue up cut one, Captain. So Joy Reid, another talentless propagandist, an absolute hack. So she's on with Jin Saki, and I'll probably cut this one short, Captain. I'll let you know when. Jin Saki's got her new show on MSNBC. She won't last a year. She won't last a year. I'd bet on it. It's 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 unwatchable television. Unwatchable news. Jin Saki, I will say, was a very good propagandist behind the podium, but she's not a dynamic enough personality. She's not interesting enough, you know, like me, to actually carry a show. She can't do it. 
I mean, she featured a segment where she went to the New York Mayor Adams apartment and asked him how he learned to make his smoothies. If it took him a long time to develop this recipe to make these power smoothies that he drinks to fuel his testosterone injected, steroid injected body. So <laughs> this is how inept the left is. This is this is how desperate they are, how unprepared they were for Donald Trump to make this announcement and put them on the defense. Play one of the dumbest women in the news. Captain, go. What Donald Trump is doing and what all these Republicans, including Elise Stefanik, who used to be sort of a norm core, you know, Harvard girl, you know, regular Republican are doing is they're throwing that anti-Semitic bomb, which is very dangerous. And we've already seen spikes in anti-Semitism throughout the country, but attacking Soros, Soros, Soros and attacking Alvin Bragg, putting them together and then saying crime, which to me is just saying black people and Jews. (laughs) You know, that's, you know, it it just, that's the way it reads to me. if, If another, if somebody was doing that in another other country and throwing those kinds of dangerous dog whistles, we would call that incitement. Yeah. What do we call it when our when our when our own members of our own country are doing it? Well, okay. I, I I know, I know none of that makes sense. Somehow, somehow. So you have Alvin Bragg, who needs to go to jail himself for prosecutorial misconduct. We we learned that. Alvin Bragg withheld nearly 600 pages of exculpatory evidence from the grand jury. So that came from Bob Costello. Now, I explained last episode, if you need a refresher, you have to listen. Go back and listen to the last episode. I can't do it again today. But Bob Costello has the goods on Michael Cohen. And I'll get to one of those goods that came out today about Michael Cohen being a liar. This case, this stick a fork in it. This case is done. It's totally done. It can't go anywhere. And so you have the DA who does not share, when I say exculpatory, right, it's it's evidence that harms the prosecution. So in this case, it harmed their case. It proved that Trump was innocent. It proved that the DA was a lunatic. That's what I mean with exculpatory evidence. So the DA Bragg withheld that, didn't share it with the grand jury. And so you have Soros, who's a demon, a demonic force in this world. And you have Bragg, who's a lunatic and a criminal. Both of these people are in the wrong. And criticizing them is is because you're racist and anti-Semitic. This is all these wackos have this is it their defense is well i mean there's no substance they can't debate the merit they can't they won't talk about what bragg has done they won't talk about the harm and damage soros has done to this country with installing and funding these pro-criminal da's around the country no it's just you're racist and you're anti-semitic And we're intentionally putting these two... We didn't put them together. They married each other. They're the ones who married each other to get in here and do damage to New York City, which crime is on the rise and everything else. But this this is what you get from the left. There are no substance. And people are seeing through this. People are looking at... Well, 
Maybe enough people don't see it because Joy Reid, nobody watches her. She, she's, she's an irrelevant human being who gets pumped up by MSNBC and Twitter and so on and so forth. But she's a nobody, and she's a racist, and she's an anti-Semite. So you got two racists there together. Now, get this. So here's Michael Cohen, who they're relying upon to put Trump behind bars here. So we've got a letter that came out that resurfaced, or just surfaced for the first time. It's from 2018. And Michael Cohen either lied in 2018 or he lied to Congress. One or the other, but not both. So, the the New York Post, I think, is who first obtained this letter. Today, actually, on Wednesday. So, Cohen is a disbarred lawyer. He doesn't have any credibility whatsoever. And he wrote this letter in 2018 with his lawyers to the Federal Election Commission. Right? They were probing him for this Stormy Daniels hush money and so on and so forth. And he he said, his lawyer said to the FEC that he used his own personal funds to facilitate a payment of 130000 to Ms. Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Daniels, in 2016. Here's a quote. Thanks, Captain. Perfect. Neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford. And neither reimbursed Mr. Cohen for the payment directly or indirectly, Cohen lawyer Stephen Ryan wrote on February 8th, 2018. And then six months later, Cohen changed his tune. He copped the plea deal that I've already talked about, saying that he made an excessive campaign contribution to Trump. So this is their star witness. A liar. It's done. I'm sorry. This case is done. But I'll tell you something that's very concerning. Now, I was, of course, doing my due diligence as I do as a consummate broadcast professional. And I was reading the take, the predictions from the propagandists on the left, the radicals who have no regard for the Constitution, the laws, or this country, the people that hate it and want to burn it down, and thus support this witch hunt. Well... They're talking about what's next. If we get an indictment and we go to a jury, a trial setting, can we get Trump? Can this case stand up? And they're very excited, and I'll tell you why. They think that it's a very good thing that this trial would take place in Manhattan because in Manhattan, everyone hates Trump, they say, and Trump can't get a fair trial. I want you to think about this. You have the left and their media excited, excited and acknowledging that their only hope of getting Trump is to make sure that every juror is a far leftist who doesn't care about the law, but they only want to get President Trump. This is what they're talking about in their world. It's not about, hey, look at these problems with the case, although cue up cut two, Captain. So Van Jones, the communist from the former Obama administration who resigned early in the administration, he didn't last long. Well, 
Every now and then, shockingly, of all people, Van Jones, now he's not one of us. He just says reality. Whether he wants it to be true or not, he's the lone voice of dissent occasionally on CNN. Now, the left is angry. They're furious with Van Jones. They can't believe that he would say this. They can't believe that he would be honest. And this is what he had to say on CNN, and this is why he got attacked. Go ahead, Captain. I think that the heat uh, is on this DA. Uh, I think he's going to make a very sober decision, and I would not be surprised if he doesn't step back from the brink. I just think that the reality is uh, uh, he's got to make a sober decision now. Um, I agree uh, with David. Uh, a, a charge like this, uh, a porn star payoff seven years ago, uh, somehow tied to the election, but not really. Uh, it, does, it, it doesn't seem like the right way to go. This, how he tries to explain what this is about, and in doing so can't explain what it's about. They're trying to tie it to this, but to the election thing. But this, Do you notice that the left can never explain in simple terms what Trump's done wrong? Trump-Russia collusion. Please define it for me. What was Trump-Russia collusion? You can't. You can't. It's mysterious. It just sounds bad. Quid pro quo. What was quid pro quo? What, what did he do wrong? He incited an insurrection? How? How? Peacefully make your voices heard? This is, this is the point with the left. They never have anything, and they depend upon the ignorance of their base to pull this kind of stuff off, and the pure hatred and animosity these people have for Trump and the country. It's outrageous. And meanwhile, you have all this going on, right? You have all this going on. And we have proof that the Biden family was paid out by the communist Chinese, which Biden has lied now and said, I didn't do that, even though you have the receipts, you have the bank records. On the campaign trail, he says, I never knew about Hunter Biden's Burisma dealings or his energy or blah, blah, blah. I never knew about his business affairs. And yet you have him signing off. Now we, we learn, too, we have, we have Biden himself signing off on a press release about his son's involvement with Ukraine. So this guy is just a, a, a liar, a liar, a liar. So Corrine Jean-Pierre, and just imagine... I mean, Trump was prosecuted, persecuted, whatever, for all of these literal hoaxes. He did nothing wrong and was dragged through the mud. And out of an abundance of caution, a political calculation, he didn't fire Mueller. He didn't end the special counsel. The special He could have done it, but he didn't do it. He calculated it was going to be too dangerous. He let it play out. He was essentially forced to go along with all this. As much as he had to. And, and you have evidence. The kind of evidence that the left dreamed of having with regard to Trump. Dreamed of having. And you cannot get this White House to even answer questions about it. Not a single question. They are shielded. It's, I've never seen anything like this in my life in the United States of America. Cue up cut four, Captain. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre. The mop herself. The mop it. So she was asked, you'll hear Peter Ducey, my favorite Boy Scout. You'll hear Peter Ducey. He's going to ask her about the Biden, Biden, the Biden-China relationship and these revelations of payments to his family. 
And this is the response you get. Go ahead and play it, Captain. Thank you, Kareen. Uh, House Oversight says they've got bank records showing a Chinese energy company paying three Biden family members through a third party. What were they paid for? Look, I'm just not going to respond to that from here. Look, we have heard from House Republicans for years and years and years um, how, uh, how the inaccuracies and lies when it comes to this issue. And I don't even know where to begin to even answer that question because, again, it's been lies and lies and inaccuracy for the past uh, couple of years, and I'm just not going to get into it from here. This is shocking. Shocking. The gaslighting, the propaganda that's taking place. And I want to tell you something. And I am frustrated with Democrats right now that they just refuse to see it because they're blinded by the cult that they actually belong to. I want to share something with you. I, I say this all the time. We've talked about it, Captain. But the people most qualified to weigh in objectively or, or in some kind of with some kind of basis of fact and experience with regards to what's happening in front of our very eyes in this country with this communist Democrat Party taking over? Well, it's people who fled communism. So I've got a story here from Fox News. Here's the headline. Christian who escaped Chinese persecution warns U.S. descending into communist style of governance. And this is not the first person to warn of this, warn of this, and, and it didn't just start today. It's been going on for a long time. But China aid president Bob Fu claims the left is exhibiting increasingly dictatorial attitudes. Wait a second, but I thought it was the MAGA Republicans, huh? I thought I thought we were exhibiting the dictatorial attitudes. That's weird. This guy who actually lived in a dictatorship. He's saying the left is exhibiting dictatorial attitudes. Well, let's see. This guy must be a propagandist. He must be a total propagandist. He must want dictatorship in America. After all, he fled a dictatorship. He fled communist China. So he must be supporting the right in this country or the MAGA Republicans because he misses that. He wants to embrace it here, right? That makes sense. Of course not. This person fled it, and he recognizes it in the left, and people should listen to him. The leader of a watchdog group that monitors Christian persecution in China said he's seeing echoes of the Chinese Community Party playbook in the U.S., and he's worried it'll get worse. Bob Fu said he's seeing the same tactics in Western nations that the CCP uses to crack down on churches. The similarities are very, very striking between the Chinese communist way of persecution and the American leftist way of restriction and even discrimination, Fu told Fox News. Fu said he's observed with concern how the left in the U.S. is increasingly exhibiting dictatorial attitudes, both culturally and politically, by censoring speech, enforcing woke culture, and not tolerating dissent. He pinpointed the alleged political weaponization, weaponizing of federal law Enforcement agencies as a worrisome escalation of such trends. It's very shocking and horrible to see American society's transformation evolving from its constitutional basis, Fu said. 
Fu was a student leader at his university during the Tiananmen Square protests in 1989 and became a Christian in the Chinese underground church decades ago. So he escaped the country in 1996, became a refugee, him and his wife, I I assume here, in the U.S. the next year. And he founded this organization, China Aid, in 2002 to provide a voice for those voiceless persecuted brothers. I I just, you know, this is the thing that really just, my heart sinks. You know, this nation, even when you go to the pilgrims, was founded on freedom of religious expression. And it is embraced in our founding ideals. It's embraced in our Constitution. And this person comes here from persecution. I mean, this is more modern, more recent than the pilgrims who escaped persecution for their beliefs. This, is, this happened while we have all been alive. And he comes here for the same purpose as our ancestors. And what does he face? Persecution. He sees the same persecution he fled in China here in America today. And it's heartbreaking. He's telling us, look look around you. I fled this. I had this. You're losing your country. I came here because this is the greatest country in the world. And you've got the left destroying this country. But he says, they only have one playbook. I saw the governor of California basically prescribe and order the church to shut down and say not only when they can worship, but how. The ways that he threatened to punish those churches and pastors sometimes were word for word exactly the same as what the CCP is using against the Chinese churches. Fu noted how former Democratic Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti at one point threatened to cut off the utilities of homes and businesses that defied California's COVID-19 restrictions. Guess what, Fu says? That's exactly the same tactic word for word, that the Communist Party has issued over the years against the churches. So, I, I, you know, I'll finish with this. It, it goes on. But here's a, here's a quote. There's so many unprecedented things that really break my heart, Fu said. I feel America's descending into a Chinese communist style of governance. The media propaganda is exactly the same as in communist China where I was born and educated in the trend. But that's fine. All you white liberals out there in particular, what does this Chinese man know, right? He's just a Chinaman. You guys are all the racist. Here's a guy that came from that. You won't give him the time of day. You won't ask. What does he know? You know, you, 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 you rich liberals who have lived with a silver spoon in your mouth who never faced any persecution, who never struggled at all, certainly not even close to what this person did to flee that country and come here. You know better than him. What does he know? Is that not the attitude, Captain? Now nah, we, we know better. Don't worry. Don't worry. Communism's never been done the way we're going to do it in America, baby. We're going to do communism so good, so good, it's going to work just Without a hitch. As long as you guys do exactly what we say and accept that you're going to be poor and own nothing, it's, a great, it's going to be great. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's failed everywhere, but American communism, you can't beat it. We improve everything, right? We improve everything. So I just thought that was interesting because 
that breaks my heart. Somebody who comes here and is warning us, and his warnings just go uh, pretty much ignored. All right. So while we are witnessing the annihilation of America, while we are waiting on pins and needles once again to see if this indictment happens tomorrow or not, and while the left wants to put a, a former president and a, well, a political candidate and rival in prison for nothing, while they're focused on that really important work, you know, China, Xi went to Russia and met with Putin. Did you hear about this? Now, now this was quite interesting to me. Because, of course, things feel different when you're living in the present. You look back on history, and it has a different meaning. How could this happen? How could they let this happen? It's, it's different when you're living through it. Men who do nothing, good men who do nothing, and women. Well, I just want you to know that one of the most significant events in world history just took place in Moscow. Period. I mean, I'm talking up there with the assassination of Ferdinand, I'm, I, you know, that led to World War One. I'm talking about Hitler and Germany and those events that precipitated World War II. This is how significant this meeting was. Joe Biden managed to push two of our greatest enemies together to form an alliance. Joe Biden just managed to create a situation and scenario in which American power and American influence is now not just challenged, but perhaps outdone. And I am taking a serious tone here. Because that's how serious this is. And I don't think that people understand the significance of what just took place. China, we know, has territorial ambitions just like Russia does. Except they'd like to take over the whole world. Russia wants Ukraine. China wants the U.S. China wants everything. It wants to gobble everything in its path. And China is using Russia because China is more powerful than Russia, to achieve its own selfish ambitions. And Russia is more than happy to form this unholy alliance. They have found a friend in China that can rival anybody in the world. I don't know that many people understand the status of the militaries outside the United States of America, but they're virtually non-existent. People talk about NATO and how important it is. NATO's weak. NATO's strength is derived from America's contribution. NATO is essentially the United States of America. That's what NATO is. We pay for it. We put up most of everything. And, you know, we go around and we train the NATO troops. My uncle, Lieutenant Colonel of the Marine Corps, that was his job. He trained NATO troops because, you know what? We have the strongest 
most, the best trained military in the world, period. So my uncle went to Paris, lived in France for years, trained those NATO troops there, went to Italy, lived there for years, trained NATO troops there. That was his job. And we are witnessing a changing of the guard. And this is globalism. And I know this is hard for people to understand, Captain, but the globalists here in the United States don't care about maintaining American strength. They're happy to give it away as long as they get to stay in power. It's not much different than what Russia's doing with China. Hey, as long as we get our peace and you let us have a little bit of autonomy, we'll do what you want and need. And this is what globalists do. They are overseeing the decline of America intentionally to uplift other nations because it's unfair that the United States of America sits alone on a pedestal. It's unfair that we're the strongest nation. It's unfair that we're the wealthiest, the most affluent, the most blessed. It's unfair that we have these resources. So we have to pursue climate change to destroy our wealth. Meanwhile, China is not going to adopt those policies that are economic suicide, nor is Russia, nor is India. You see, these nations need to embrace coal, need to embrace oil, to ascend to the level standard of living that we have enjoyed for a long time. They're not going to get on board with that. It's suicide. And that's what's happening. And we just had Xi and Putin announce that they're friends, they're allies, and they're on a path to remake the next century. Chinese dominance again. This is what's happening. And we are, meanwhile... While this is happening, okay, think about this. So this is going on. This meeting just happened between Xi and Putin. And you have, get cut five ready, Captain. You have John Kirby threatening to sanction Uganda. That's right. John Kirby's not going to sanction China. The sanctions in Russia obviously didn't work. Our military and our country's worried about sanctioning Uganda. Play the cut, Captain. This is insane. Is anything like sanctions or some other concrete measure being considered by the U.S. side if this law should take effect? Yeah, well, first of all, big if there, right? Uh, this is the parliament passing it. It still has some process to go here. Um, we're, uh, we're certainly watching this real closely, and uh, we would have to take a look at whether or not there might be... Um, uh, repercussions that we would have to take, per, per, perhaps in an economic uh, way, uh, should this law actually get passed uh, and enacted. Um, and that would be really unfortunate because uh, so much of the economic assistance that we provide Uganda is health assistance, and largely through PEPFAR. Uh, and uh, uh, you, you can see a world in which you know a law like this, should it be enacted, would not only, as, as Kareem rightly said, just be devastating to a whole community of people inside Uganda, but, uh, but if it were to have any kind of an effect uh, uh, on our economic assistance, that would only make that worse. So we'll have to take a look. No decisions. We're watching this very, very closely, and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, it won't pass and we won't have to do anything. This is stunning. So not only... So now we are the policemen for the rest of the world that has moral values. Now, I want to point something out. 
So in Uganda, same-sex relations are already illegal. Okay, that's what they've decided. Now, they want to pass a bill that allows for the death penalty in cases of rape, sodomy, in terms of raping a young boy or whatever else. That's what they want. So we should have that in America too. Those those uh, gay individuals who adopted those boys or that boy and then invited people over to rape their sons that they adopted, those people should be killed. The death penalty should be reserved for people like that. And that's what they're saying in Uganda. So if you rape a young boy in an act of homosexuality, you can get the death penalty. And this has the left upset. Apparently this has the Biden administration just so outraged So outraged that John Kirby is saying, well, this nation of black people, we love black people. We're not the racists, but we're going to take away your health care. We're going to make sure that we take away funding to your country. That's how much we love the black people of Uganda. We want to make sure you die. That's what we want because you pass your own laws and have your own country. This is the thing. All of this interference. And while they're so upset about this, they're helping Iran, which throws gay people off roofs and serially murders them and executes them because they're gay, well, we want to help them get a nuclear weapon. China, same situation. Hostile environment towards gays and so on and so forth. They have camps where the Uyghurs, or the Uyghurs, or whatever you call them, are being beaten and tortured, essentially, in these work camps. But no sanctions for China. But Uganda, we really got to take care of that. That's a priority for us. That's a priority for us. You know what else is a priority for this administration? Double mastectomies for seven-year-olds. That's very important, not just to this administration, but to our military. That's right. That's right. Are you ready for this? I mean, I, I, I just... I, I really, when I go through this stuff, it's hard for me. I, I just, I need to get a, I need to get some Democrats on here with me, Captain. I need to confront them about this. I want to say, they'll say, well, at least they're not Trump. But you're a Democrat. What's that guy's name? The the troll. Matt Kinney. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So, so for the Matt Kinneys of the world out there. If you're one of these Matt Kinney's, brilliant kind of person out there, look, I, I respect I respect people, unlike the left. You know, I don't wish anything bad against Matt Kinney. But if you are a Matt Kinney out there and you live with your head up your A-double-S, here we go. Pentagon doctors claim seven-year-olds can make decisions to be injected with hormones, puberty suppressants. This is the Pentagon. So China and Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, they're forming a new alliance to take out the United States of America. And our Pentagon's worried about seven-year-olds transitioning. This is perversion. Absolute perversion. So the Department of Defense doctors claimed seven-year-olds are capable of medical decision-making. So a seven-year-old can't smoke, obviously. They can't drink. They can't vote. I mean, seven years old. Seven years old. A seven-year-old is cape. This is sick. And I got another story here, Captain, too. 
Here we go. This happens all the time. Another former trans teen to sue medical provider over double mastectomy at 13. This is at 13 years old, and the DOD thinks this should be happening with seven-year-olds, the process beginning. A California woman who once identified as transgender and had both of her healthy breasts removed when she was 13 years old is taking legal action against the doctors and medical provider that performed or approved the surgery. The Central Valley woman, now 18, 18 years old, goes by the pseudonym Layla Jane in the case. At a detransition awareness day rally on the steps of the state capitol in Sacramento, Earlier this month, Jane and other detransitioners, including Chloe Cole, denounced California's gender-affirming care policies that Jane says fast-track minors toward puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and gender transition surgeries. A detransitioner for the Kennys of the world is someone who has either socially or medically transitioned their gender but later regretted the decision because it was an act of mental illness. That's why. So Cole, who, is, who had a double mastectomy when she was 15, is currently suing Kaiser. I mean, here we go. This is how it starts, too. You're a young kid. You're confused. You don't know things. You are so vulnerable. And it is sick. This is equivalent to, I'm sorry, the Ugandans, you know, they want to put people who rape little boys, execute them. I think we should have the death penalty for people who do this to our young children as well who take a seven-year-old and say, hey, let me lead you into this office to cut off your, you know what? You should be executed. I'm, I, and I have no qualms with that. This, this false pretense that we live in some civil society where this stuff is unbecoming, it's the reason we're screwed. It's the reason we have a problem because we're tolerant of it all. You know, we sit here and sympathize with criminals and perverts and we attack the victims. I've had it. So this person, one of these detransitioners, says, I had a lot of body image issues, and this manifested into gender dysphoria. And nobody, none of my doctors tried anything to make me comfortable in my body. And I want to tell you something right now. You've got people out there, right, who say, you know, having these, uh, uh, what, what's it called, you know, uh, therapy. You know, if you're gay or you think you're gay, and you go to a doctor, go to counseling, and they're supposed to consult you about, you know, whatever. There's a name for it, Captain. If you can find it, tell me. I'll find it in a minute. Because as a matter of fact, I, I wrote it down because I wanted to talk about it. Um, hang tight. Hang tight. Captain, you know, and the audience knows exactly what I'm talking about. But I just, you know, whatever. So, it's killing me. This is killing me, this one word. Conversion therapy, for God's sake. Conversion therapy. So let me, let me put it this way. So conversion therapy is like a sin, right? This has to, we have to abolish this. That's what the transgender community says. It is so wrong that you would take somebody who just knows they're gay or knows they're trans or whatever and to try and consult them and tell them they're not. And yet these same lunatics that claim that conversion therapy is wrong are engaged in their own form of conversion therapy in our kindergarten classrooms when they tell people and encourage them to embrace that they're gay or explore it or to change their their gender, and so on and so forth. That's conversion therapy, and it's absolutely disgusting and reprehensible. 
So there we go. We go. China, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, everyone colluding, getting together to destroy and take down the United States of America. And we're busy trying to transition seven-year-olds in our military communities. Yeah, we're going to win a war. That's for sure. Unbelievable. So another thing. So I want to point something out because this needs to be said enough. The left, they ride on this high horse. They have this false image, this false marketing campaign they've carried out in which they claim, pretend like they're more intelligent than the right. That they're so smart, that they're the elites, that they should be telling us what to do because they're our, they are our moral and intellectual superiors. And yet every leftist I've played so far from Joy Reid to Lawrence O'Donnell to Kareem Jean-Pierre to John Kirby, they're all abject idiots. And the biggest idiot of all today is Biden's latest judicial nominee. Now, they didn't ask him if he could define a woman. You know, that person made it onto the Supreme Court. Can't define a woman because she's not a biologist, just a lawyer. But get cut six ready, Captain. This is uh, cut six. We've got um, the latest judicial nominee. His name's Cato Cruz. Cato Cruz. Now, he's a magistrate judge in Denver, I think it is. And he's been selected for a district court seat in Denver. Now, he's a lawyer and he cannot define. Well, you'll hear. This is how smart he is. This is a lawyer on the left. Go ahead and play the cut, Captain. Tell me how you analyze a Brady motion. How I analyze a Brady motion? Yes. Uh, Senator, in my uh, four and a half years on the bench, I don't believe I've had the occasion to uh, address a Brady uh, motion in my career. Do you know what a Brady motion is? Uh, Senator... Uh, in my time on the bench, I've not had occasion to address that, and so uh, it's not coming to mind at the moment what a Brady motion is. Um, do you recall the U.S. Supreme Court case, Brady v. Maryland? Uh, I do recall uh, the name of the case, the senator, yes. And what did it hold? I believe that the uh, Brady case uh, in. Well, Senator, I believe the Brady case involves something regarding the Second Amendment. It is not. I've not had occasion to address that. If that issue were to come before me, uh, I would certainly analyze that Supreme Court precedent uh, and apply it uh, as I would need to to the facts in front of me. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, that's somebody who apparently went to law school and passed the bar. The Brady motion is not obscure. It's a tenet of criminal law. You know what the Brady rule is? The Brady rule gives the defense the opportunity to get exculpatory evidence from the prosecution, right? So the prosecution, they interview people, they try and build a case to put you in jail, for example, right? Let's say you're accused of murder. Now, the defense has a right to get any information collected by the prosecution that might be beneficial to the defense. That's what, and this person went to law school. So if, for example, while the prosecution was gathering their evidence, they talked to a witness who said that person didn't commit the crime. I actually saw somebody else commit the murder. Well, the defense has the ability to request that information. That's the Brady motion. 
And this classless zero can't, I mean, this is embarrassing. It is truly humiliating to be a Democrat. I wouldn't know because I'm not one, but I'm telling you, you should be thoroughly humiliated. The lie that Democrats are smart, the lie that, 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 that they're some kind of moral elites. It's all a facade. They're not. They're all this guy, Cato Cruz, in a suit. He's smart. You start to ask him questions, and they don't know the basic tenets of law when they are practicing law and supposed to be put on a district court. Democrats aren't logical. They aren't rational. They're easily manipulated. They don't have a moral compass. They are sheep. Worse, they cheer for their own death. Democrats simultaneously build the guillotine, man the guillotine, and bring it down over their own necks, thinking that they're saving their lives. That's how stupid the Democrat is. I've got to kill myself because these people are so bad. Ooh, look how bad it is. The dictatorship's coming. I'm going to support dictatorship because the left tells me they're right. They're so crazy. But meanwhile, I've got to support double mastectomies for seven-year-olds. Why? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a new right, I guess. It's a new right. If you're Kenny. I mean, that's what Kenny thinks. Cue up cut seven. I want the left to be confronted with the brilliance of Joe Biden. We've never had a more brilliant uh, president in American history. This is a guy who got more votes, absolutely, than anybody. I believe it totally. Uh, I mean, we are so lucky to have Biden. I mean, we've never had a better orator in history. I mean, this guy makes Reagan and Obama look like Donald Trump. No, I don't know. So, cute. Play this cut. So, so Joe Biden's got a teleprompter. So we, you know. Oh, he loses the battle with a teleprompter again. He tries to read a poem. I just, I just want to humiliate you guys thoroughly. This is your guy. This is your brilliant president. He's so fit for office. Go ahead and play the cut. He can't even read. Richard Blanco uh, returned to a poem he wrote from the second inaugural of Barack and Me. A poem, one today. It says, and always one moon like a silent drum tapping at every rooftop. And every window on every in, of every county, country. I'm, let me start this over again. I'm getting so intimidated by you being here. <laughs> and always one moon, like a silent drum tapping on every rooftop and every window of one country, county, county. All of us facing the stars. Hope, a new constellation waiting for us to map it, waiting for us to name it together. I've never seen a better speaker. Gosh, if I was a Democrat, I mean, all I can say is I'm proud of that man. I am proud of that man. He is so well-spoken, so smart, so eloquent, really has a great cadence, so much energy. Wasn't he vivacious there? Count, count, country, country, county, count, 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 count. I lost my place. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, laugh, please, laugh, momentary laugh. So, all right. So there's the uh, the the dumb ace in chief, um, Joe Biden, who, of course, was paid off by the communist Chinese to destroy the country. We have proof of it. And the left doesn't care. They're busy with Donald Trump, of course. So here we go. Pull up. Pull up that photo one, Captain. So. It, back to my point about about men are better women. 
than women are. This is where the left is. They hate women. They want to destroy women. They want to take everything away from women. That's your left. Another real good selling point on being a leftist and a Democrat in this country. That's right. Another man taking away an award from a woman. So that was a transgender lawmaker from Minnesota, Lee Fink. Now, Lee Fink is a mentally ill person. You can see it from the photo there. Um, He has two kids. He has two kids. And the media is so sick that they define him as a single mother of two. Now, this is so disgusting because, of course, single mothers in, in this country especially through no fault of their own, who are abandoned by ballless men today who don't take their responsibilities seriously, who abandon their families and aren't responsible, which is sick. Well, this person wants to take that from you. A single mother represents something in this country. Obviously, they get a lot of respect. They're doing a very difficult job. They're working. They're taking care of kids by themselves without any any support. And this person has the audacity to get a divorce and claim that they are a single mother of two. No, you are a man with pink hair and you're mentally ill. And you are a pathetic person who has destroyed your family because of selfish motivations. And of course, here's somebody else. You notice, and and this person still likes women, by the way. You notice every time they do this, they still like women. It's kind of odd. To, to feel in your soul so much that you're the opposite sex. I am a woman and I love women. So now I'm a lesbian, I guess. Insane. Poor family, poor kids. But anyway, this transgender lawmaker from Minnesota won USA Today's Women of the Year Award alongside Michelle Obama. Oh, well, some might say they're in good company. You know what I'm saying, Captain? Some might say they're in good company, you know. What's the difference between Lee Fink and Michelle Obama? I'm not saying that, okay? I'm not, I, look, I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy. I'm not doing that. But, you know, there are people who would say, you know, that Michelle, I don't believe this. I'm just telling you, there are people that say that Michelle's real name is Michael. All right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay? Not me, but other people would say that. So, uh, and, and Rachel Levine. So I'm just, this is an interesting trend here. So you got, you you got one trans person, Lee Fink. You've got Rachel Levine, another trans person. And then you've got Michelle Obama. What an outsider. That's weird. Why not just go do, do three of the trans people in there? What do they have in common? I don't know. Anyway, but it's really, it's really disturbing. I mean, this person says, uh, you know, I mean, they, they they do this too, by the way, for an advantage. You know, it's like a new victim class. They can't succeed as men. And so now you get rewarded for joining this mentally ill movement. And I got to say, there are people in this country, and, and I, I'm being serious here. There are people in this country a very small percentage who certainly absolutely feel like they're trapped in the, the opposite body. Now, it's, it's a mental illness, but there are people that that's a very serious thing that they need to deal with. What you have now, though, is a bunch of people even hijacking the movement of the real trans community for their own personal gain. Like the swimmer, Leah Thomas, William Thomas. 
That he doesn't really think he's a woman. He just couldn't cut it in men's sports. He was mediocre. And he saw an opportunity to grow his hair out and put on a bikini and beat the women at their own sport. And what did we do as a society? We let that happen. We cheered it. We said that's a good thing. No, no, no. These people deserve sympathy. They deserve compassion. And they deserve help. But not to be celebrated. Not to be celebrated for this. That's the reality. It should be treated like anybody else that has a mental illness in this country with compassion and with an intention to help them. All right, folks. It's been a heck of a show. Lots of good news as usual, right, Captain? Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so we'll see. We'll see if the indictment comes tomorrow. The left will be cheering, of course. But the real people that should be indicted and put in prison, of course, are Alvin Bragg. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. Uh, Captain, can we end with this? Play that last clip for me. Cut eight. The latest one I sent you, the, 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 the trailer. Look, I meant to get to this earlier. So I've got it. It's on, it's on my Substack now, drewallen.substack.com. I did an interview, my first one. It's part of Drew Nation. I'm doing interviews now with, with individuals that are prominent to bring that information to you. And I put together a trailer. I'm going to play that trailer. It's a couple minutes long to close out here um, to give you an idea of, if, I, I talked to Murray Sabrin, who's a PhD, not an EDD like, like uh, Jill, fake Dr. Jill. But I want you to hear this. Do you have it, Captain? Okay, play the trailer. This is a, a trailer to the interview I had with Dr. Murray Sabrin, libertarian. I'm very, very excited to introduce this first inaugural guest, right, to the Drew Nation. You know, the Drew Allen Show, we don't have any guests. But this is a treat. This is something special. And this is Dr. Murray Sabin. And so what we have in the United States today is trying to help people who have been discriminated in the past. And in doing so, we discriminate against people who have nothing to do with those past discrimination. He was a gubernatorial candidate. And uh, my parents were the only ones in their families to survive the Holocaust in their native Poland. Just a remarkable person. Nazism and uh, Italian fascism are uh, two, uh, two sides of the same coin. It's government control of business and business, some businesses getting in bed with the government. That's the essence of fascism. It's, it's, it's basically crony capitalism on steroids. Very importantly, I want to make sure you understand Dr. Murray Sabrin is a PhD, all right? He's not an uh, EDD or, or, or whatever it is, like a fake Dr. Jill. Let's face it, she's not a real doctor. In 1968, I graduated from college, and I voted for Hubert Humphrey for president. That's the first and last time I voted for a Democrat. But, but how did you come to be, be, be a libertarian? I heard his inaugural address, and it was very inspiring, but he said one thing that made me a little bit uh, concerned about the future, that we will go anywhere, pay any price for a freedom around the world. And I said, holy mackerel, does this mean we're going to have war in order to liberate the rest of the world? I, I'm still haunted by the Kennedy assassinations. You talk about one event that changed the course of world history. That was it. The, the only path for these people is war. Listen to President Kennedy's June 1963 commencement address at American University, where he laid out a peaceful foreign policy for the United States in the Cold War. And five months later, he was assassinated. We have banking crisis all over the place. We have inflation. We have endless wars overseas. We have a huge military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us about. 
So everything that could go wrong in terms of public policy has gone wrong. You know, we talk about a lot of problems on this show. And one of the reasons I wanted to have Dr. Sabrin on is because he has solutions. And that's why I'm so concerned about the future for your generation, for my nieces and nephews, that they live in a better world than uh, uh, we've had uh, that's been unfolding here for the last uh, 10, 20 years. What we need to do is deal equitably with people at all levels. Well, if we do that, which is trusting the people to make the right decision, this problem will go away on its own. What do you think? I mean, that was a couple of years ago for you, doctor. You, well, a long you, time you stand ago, by uh, that the same? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, I... it was a great interview. I've gotten great feedback so far from it. Um, and again, you can find it at drewallen.substack.com. And then, uh, you know, last kind of business here, you know, writeamericamedia.com. Right, like the direction, americamedia.com. That's where you can find this show and other shows as well that are, you know, really informative, great shows like this one and, uh, and clips. And, and, you know, the, the website's a great resource. And finally, finally, if you're still with me, if you're still with me, go wherever you listen to the podcast. And I've, I've, I've had to play around with who was carrying the podcast and so on and so forth. And so it is beneficial to me. I don't ask for too much often, but if you like the show and you, you, you've been listening for a while and you haven't done so on Apple or Spotify, whatever it is, rate the show, give it a review and do that. It does, it does matter. Not really to me personally, although I like it, but in the aggregate in terms of, uh, of podcasts and, and more people listening and so on and so forth. So with that, God bless you all. I, I really appreciate every one of you. And I thank you for being with me all this time. This is Drew Allen again, your millennial minister of truth. Until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.